In just eight short months, the world has become an extremely different place. This is due to COVID-19. According to COVID19facts.com, COVID-19 is the disease identified as the cause of an outbreak of respiratory illness first detected in Wuhan, China in January of this year. That outbreak did not take long to travel overseas to the U.S. and led to our country declaring a public health emergency in February and a national emergency in March. This virus has caused worldwide travel bans, financial crisis, multiple mandates, quarantines, sickness, and even death. But most of all, the end to everyday life as we know it. Now in this podcast, we are not going to focus on the facts of what has led us here, but more on the experiences. This is a worldwide pandemic. And while everyone is going through this, not everyone has had the same experiences or the same perspectives. These are the perspectives of a pandemic. Hey guys, and welcome back to Perspectives of a Pandemic. Today I am on a Zoom call with Crystal A. Bear. And her perspective is one of those that is extremely personal once again. And that's because Crystal actually contracted coronavirus just about 60 days ago. Crystal, can you tell me a little bit about your experience? I wasn't afraid of it, but I'm not really, I'm a risk taker. You know what I mean? So that's what I got. I'm not really scared of anything. Of course, I did like wear the mask whenever I was told to. Um wash my hands just because that's, you know, just for friendliness. But I started feeling bad and I was kind of having a few little symptoms and I just wasn't, I was like, no, this can't, you know, it can't be, but it just, I couldn't take it. So I went into urgent care and got a test. Of course, I didn't get it back right away. They said a week. So a week later, I was a lot worse. I was running fever, probably 100, 203. And I got to where I couldn't breathe very good. So I got my husband to go run get a pulse ox reader from the uh, grocery store. And whenever I took my pulse ox, I was like around 77. And I knew that that was like really low just because I've taken care of family members before. I just, I was struggling to breathe. I couldn't even, I would bathe and I couldn't dry off. I would have to sit down and rest and catch my breath. And a lot of people asked, like, what was it like? And I said, well, it was like running as far and as fast as you can. And when you stop trying to catch your breath, how your lungs burn whenever you're winded. So when he got the pulse ox and it was that low, I said, I need to go to the emergency room. Went to the emergency room. They did the rapid test. It came back positive. But they sent me home. And I had been on um, antibiotics from when I went to urgent care. They didn't give me any more antibiotics because they said I was already on it, but they gave me, I think, maybe steroids or something. The next day, it was worse. My oxygen levels were, like, down to 75, and I told him, I said, this isn't right. I need to be in the hospital. I knew because I've taken care of other people how bad, you know, that level was. So, finally, he had to call my family doctor, and he had to call the hospital and insist that they admit me. And I went in. I was admitted. I was in a regular room for a while. I couldn't have any visitors. My husband had to drop me off at the emergency room door, and I didn't see him again. And I was in a regular room 
from Wednesday, I think, until Sunday. And then Sunday, I got moved to ICU. And I stayed in ICU for five days. And then I went back to a regular room for a day. And then they discharged me. But when I got home, I was still very sick. So it lasted. I'm still having effects from it. I got. I came home on oxygen for about two and a half, three weeks. Couldn't really do anything. I'm just now getting to where I'm better. Like I can drive to, you know, I can drive to town if I want. I haven't really been out in public yet. And my brother's in the hospital, so that kind of made me get out and go there. But I haven't been to a store yet. I haven't really been out about anywhere yet. I don't know if it's because I'm afraid to catch anything or I'm afraid of because there's also like a stigma behind it, even though I was positive 60 days ago. It's just kind of like because I was so bad off that it does kind of carry that stigma with it when you go places. And I don't know why it hit me so hard because I was pretty healthy, ate healthy, was active. You know, I'm not old. I'm healthy. You know, we were the last, I was the last person that anybody thought would end up in ICU with it. So how long were you in the ICU? I was in ICU for five days. Wow. I didn't go on the vent. They said it was very close. There was a night right before ICU that I was just, I didn't think I was going to make it. Um, and I was okay with it. I was at peace. I was more worried about my family not being able to, like them getting a phone call because I couldn't have visitors or anything. Right. And then the next day they put me in ICU. It was so exhausting just to, for me to go to the restroom in the hospital room, even though the door was right by the bed. It, I had to like mentally prepare myself. It was like climbing a dozen flights of steps just to get there because I would get so winded and so tired. I couldn't turn over in bed without getting like totally exhausted. It was awful. And I, I can't even imagine it. I mean, I'm so sorry that you had to face that, especially with it being one of those cases that were severe. And like you said, you were a pretty healthy woman before this this happened I had no underlying condition I never had you know I don't take any medicine you know I'm pretty healthy never I didn't have I don't have blood pressure problems cholesterol diet none of that before you actually contracted the virus what was your stigma about it um I, I never had a stigma but I noticed, like, when I got it, because I shared my story on Facebook, I wanted people to know and, like, how it was and what was going on with me. And I didn't share anything until I went to the hospital. So I shared it, and I started having people, well, I had an amazing amount of people reach out to me um, through messengers or text saying that they were curious about it. This was, like, really a lot of support. But I also had a few people that would reach out and say, Where'd you get it from? How'd you get it? And I was just afraid of going somewhere and somebody not wanting to be around me because I've had that situation, not personally, but I know of people that have done that and them say something about, you know, just you hear it in a crowd. Right. So I was kind of worried about that. For the most part, I had amazing support. People that I hadn't talked to since I was a child. Family members I hadn't really talked to lately have been reaching out. I made a lot of connections through it. It's been quite a ride. I started my doctorate program when I was in ICU. I just finished my first semester. People were like, I can't believe you're doing it. And I was like, well, what else am I going to do? She's in ICU, not doing anything. So I worked the whole time. I um, started the doctorate program. I just kind of tried to keep going through life as best as 
I could, even though I was in the hospital and on oxygen. And, you know, I just work on things a little bit at a time. Do you think that you, having contracted COVID-19 and having had suffered this illness so extremely, do you think that it has affected you for the rest of your life? Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, I've been doing a lot of research, um, and I have what they call long-haul symptoms. I have the brain fog. I have confusion. I'm usually pretty sharp about things. I've shown up to appointments on the completely wrong day and went, signed in, and they were like, no, your appointment's tomorrow. I went to another appointment, drove myself there. When it was done, I called my husband to come pick me up, and I had driven there. I forgot about it. So it's like you forget things like that. I have rapid heart rate. I'm not sure what doctor to go to because it's so unknown. Right. a severe case of COVID-19. Does it affect you in any way when you see on social media or, you know, here around? People say that this virus isn't a big deal. It's nothing to worry about. Um, well, I see that, and I, if they're friends of mine, I'll say something like, yeah, I thought that too. Because I did. Before I got it, I thought, I was like the flu, or, you know, I didn't really, I was one of those people that was like, let's just get it all over with. And then it'll be done with, you know, and, and then I got it. And then I realized that look, it's a big deal. You know, it's not a big deal for everybody, but for the people that it really hits hard, it's really a big deal. And you never know who it's going to be because I was healthy, you know, and then you might have somebody that's 20 years older than me that gets in and is asymptomatic. You just don't know. Do you think that after coronavirus pandemic after there's a vaccine that's mass produced when hopefully there's a bit of a slowdown of this do you think that we're going to be seeing a new normal how do you feel about that phrase yeah I think that it is going to be a new normal and it kind of stinks you know because I'd, I'd like to go back to how it was before but like in my work and what I do I work with people with developmental disabilities and our program is not ever going to be the exact same I don't think but during this whole pandemic through work we've had to create ways of keeping the people engaged and we've done that through virtual day programming and that's something that's never been done before and it's not just me it's other programs like ours and I feel like it's we're kind of blazing a trail yeah I mean 2020 is definitely the age to have this pandemic of course there's never a right time to have a pandemic but I'm just saying we have the technology to be able to social distance and to be virtual I mean here we are right now having a zoom interview that I'm going to be turning into a podcast you know just a few years back that wouldn't have been possible so I feel like we can thankfully be connected still with people through technology and right. engaging through technology so that's something that we can be thankful for now yeah and I do think that coronavirus because it's so new that we still don't know the long-term effects because there is really no long-term you know it hasn't been around that long so we don't know I don't know how I'm going to be affected in a year five years ten years I hope that the little things that are happening now stay because I was very active before 
or I was always going places. I worked all the time. I was in school full time, stayed busy. And now I find myself getting really tired and run down and I'm just not that person. So I've just been having to push myself a little bit more lately because I can't, I can't let it beat me. You know, I have to be the one that I have to get up and go. Your story's very inspiring and I'm so sorry that something as crazy as the coronavirus pandemic that kind of came out of nowhere and we really just can't see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel right now. Although we can't see it, I really, I really do choose to believe that it is there and it is coming and I do hope that you continue to go on a healthy journey and, and your health continues to climb upwards. And I really appreciate you sharing your story with me so I can share it with more people. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. Thanks for listening in on this episode of Perspectives of a Pandemic. Make sure to watch out for episode four, where you'll hear another perspective of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks again for listening. And remember, no matter what your perspective is, make sure you're doing what you need to do to stay safe. See you next time.